welcome. Dun, 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 dun. Why are you doing the theme like that, Hardy? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Because sometimes I make the show too long, and then the, the theme song doesn't fit. Because it's like 50, 50 seconds or something like that. This is Miracle Nutrition with Hardy White. Join me now, won't you? And then there's that beautiful shape note song. Uh, and then the show. I spent eight years of my life trying to faithfully and meticulously recreate Abraham's house out of the instructions provided in the Bible. And we built a structure out of clay and straw and wood with a central courtyard and some north-facing suites, a west-facing kitchen, south-facing and east-facing suites. And I spent all my life savings doing this, following the biblical instructions, which I found out later are not in the Bible. I got duped. I was tricked. It's really from Paradise Lost or something. I didn't even look it up. I thought, oh, I've wasted all that time. My goodness. You know, a lot of things that people think are in the Bible really aren't. They're in Paradise Lost. Like when the devil has that big ball, has that big party and everything, and no, that's Master and Margarita. All of those blend together for me into one big mythical tale. It's wonderful. Now, any preacher will tell you the ideal congregation has low biblical knowledge because then you can be very creative and you can sort of micromanage your community. You know, the Lord says that they don't like the sweet barbecue sauce. It's an abomination unto the Lord. Oh, all right. Yes. It's not just a matter of taste. You can't have it in your restaurant. And so you can do all sorts of wonderful things like that. Yes, Moses didn't care for that. Uh, I only like white meat. All right. Don't even bother having the thighs. And I don't know if that's in there. There's a lot of dietary things, though, in the Bible that I think are useful. What are they? I can't say offhand. I'm sure it says something like they're very detailed. Now, some of them are the laws of kashrut, you know, what's kosher and all. And I guess some of it is like don't eat. If there's a cutlet and it has poo on it, no, don't eat it. The, in fact, the Hebrew might be very blunt like that, like poo cutlet, no, or no poo cutlets, could be. I don't know. I'm, I'm curious, but not enough to do anything about it. Mm, I love to stay right there on the edge of curiosity. Why complete it? Why finish it and get the knowledge? I don't want it to ever end. I don't want that feeling of not knowing. To, I've told them this in school. The teacher would be, I feel like you're, you're, you're sad if my curiosity needs satisfying, but I feel oversated. This is too much. It's like, you know how bodybuilders have to overeat? And you hear them saying like, oh, I had to have so much growth shake that I threw up. Well, that's no good. You don't want to do that. And I feel that way with knowledge. Sometimes I get too much of it in me, and I think this is just leading to more questions. Ow, agony. Now i got to maintain that. It is like bodybuilding. I'm puffed up. Now my brain, I've gotten my brains all swole, and now i got to go. I bulked up, and now i got to cut down or something for when I show off my brain. Can't do it. That's what you have to do. The cutting in that intellectually is like when you have to do something for the public. You bulk up. You speak go in the gym, which is the university. Everything has a corollary. Oh, but here, I'm. what are you talking about to me today? Well, just generally, knowledge. Knowledge and wisdom and things in the Bible by Hardy White. I would like to do someday a children's Bible. And it's not a Bible for children, but it's more like that Bugsy Malone movie where everybody in the Bible would be children. It would be like baby Muppet babies. So I'm baby Moses. Baby Moses would stay baby Moses and just go around in his little reed basket. Baby Abraham or Babraham or something would say, be some cute coinage. And uh, Sarah would say, I'm too young to be pregnant or something, just the opposite of what's in the Bible. And you'd go, you're right, you're baby. Oh, it would be, I think it'd be good. Who would it appeal to? I don't know, it might be blasphemous. You never know. There's a lot of rules in 
because it's such a widely practiced set of religions that follow. And I'm talking about the Bible you get in hotels. There's, you know, few religions follow it. And so they all have opinions about it. And uh, they don't really care about the translation because they already know they're pretty set on what they believe anyway. So don't confuse me with the, re the literal words. And I've had that discussion before. It's all right. Yes, I have to. I'll tell you what. I'm going to go talk to my preacher and I will get back to you. And he will have an answer for your devil question. And I'm, that's how I imagine most theological discussions going. In some areas I know, maybe they used to be, you know, I don't know whether. It's always a tough thing when you're arguing theology because you go, now I've, what have I done? I thought I was being creative and now I'm a, a blasphemer. Now I'm having my skin taken off. I thought I was just thinking outside the box. Now you've crossed the line. And I wonder what that line is, really. Because I've known a lot, I, because it becomes secret knowledge. I'm going to tell you that right now. I've known a lot of religious people. And uh, if you do get to the levels where you're really discussing things, they uh, purposely don't say what, you know, well, you know, that's we, we don't really say that out loud. And uh, I think that's why I know that's for sure in a couple religions. <laughs> so bless everybody. It's an understanding, though, that you can't, you, it's not worth really being burned. And I mean that literally. My goodness. You don't want to say certain things. Now, uh, there's certain things are, you know, willing, I'm willing to make a stand on. And that, and one of them is that the biblical character of Isaac wore literal clown makeup. And it was like a, like a, a juggalo or something. No, I, that, that's a good one. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do a hoax because I've got, this is the wonderful thing. I've, I've stumbled on some paper from the 13th century. And now I just want to write something fake on it. Because then when they do the analysis, they'll say, well, this looks pretty real. Did you do the ink? No, but it looks pretty good. What? <laughs> I would use like uh, something blue-black or something nice. Some, I have a fountain pen, so I'd use that. But it would be modern ink. Maybe I could somehow make it out of mummies or something that would come. Because this is very old ink, actually. Or buy some old ink. You can get all sorts of things. I got ribbon for my 50s typewriter online. So if I was I'm looking for old, you could probably even join a, a group that say I'm, a, I'm forging medieval documents. And I have a question. Now, what is it, brother? Um, well, you know, how do I make my, how do I fake my ink age? Because I've got the paper. I've, you know, I have that. And then they'll help you out and everything. Sometimes they'll even give you ideas because they were also, I don't have a scam. Can you give me an idea for a scam? And uh, they'll do that. Hitler's Diary. That's a good one. Who came up with that one? If you go back, that's not even a very old one. And it was uh, it made the covers of magazines and things like that. I wonder, you've got to be very careful with that. Who's, who's Diary, though? I wonder what's a good one. Just a, a, a fictional person's diary would be good. And you insist that they were real. That might be no, Oliver Twist's diary or something. It's real, he was a real person. There was a real orphan that did all sorts of wonderful things. People used to put on musicals in the streets, especially the, uh, the, the lower classes in the Victorian era and everything would sing a lot. And I would, that would be a, what a magical, wonderful time of just soot-faced cockneys breaking out into song. And jumping on things, they're athletic. And when they wore these kind of spandex trousers, it was a wonderful time. And the newsboy hat or something like that. I, I, I've gone back in the time machine. Now, many of you know that I have traveled literally, figuratively, imaginatively, but also in reality in time, what I call time. And I've talked to historic figures. Um... I've sent this out as a tweet, but uh, Samuel Pepys, who lived in the time of the Great Fire of London in the 17th century, his name is spelled P-E-P-Y-S. And you go, well, that, that's the surname, Pepys. And I go, I know, and it used to be that. And he got teased terribly. Samuel Pepys, like that. Samuel Pepys, then he poo-poos. And he's like, I couldn't take it anymore, so I'm Pepys. 
And I go, that's cool. I, I suggested it, actually. I go, I know a good pronunciation. Like people. We, we say that is short for people. Hey, you're peeps. It's also a popular candy. And if there had been, a, imagine if there was a peep factory during the Great Fire of London. It would all melted together in a great marshmallow rock. Mm-mm-mm. Marshmallow rock reminds me. That was a 70s cartoon interstitials for children to help them understand marshmallows better. One was our marshmallows, kosh root. It was very popular because they have gelatin in them. And gelatin was made from the horves of horves. You know what I meant. Hooves of horves. The hooves or hoofuses of horses. It's hard to say. Equine. Equine. Things, all things equine. I live in an equine area, a horsey part of the country, and I'm surrounded by horses. I'm not used to it. I'm used to one, one, you'll see where I'm from, from uh, farther uh, south. The horses are always, look like they are feral or something, and I guess people ride them. I don't know, but I've never hear that people take great care of them before they shoot them while they're doing their job. That makes me sad. Um, I would like to, What is there an animal that I would ride on? I don't know, because I don't know that we could ever really come to an agreement where I felt I had consent, unless I could speak, you know, the same language. Otherwise, just hopping on another creature just feels like, I don't know, like, is this okay? All right, he said yes. And uh, if it has to really take some convincing, then oh, I don't know. Now, the, uh, something that really disturbed me as a child were the, was the Swiss family Robinson. I've since met Swiss people, so now I get it. But they would ro- they were hopping on uh, zebras and, or zebras and, and ostriches. And riding them had a race. And then I think they... In my mind, they go to war with indigenous people or something like that. It's a horror show. And then they had a ride at Disney World. I say a ride. It was a tree. They go, how is this a ride? Go, it's a ticket for a tree and don't move. It's a tree. I didn't like that one too much. There was a lot of Disney World. I was like, this is fake. The submarine, there was a submarine, and it wasn't like, well, listen, I'm, there's a happy medium between going to the dismal depths of the Titanic site and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, Disney World. There's something in between. I actually did go on one, the in-between one. What am I thinking? I went to the uh, uh, elderly relative, took me on a cruise, and we went to Barbados. And in Barbados, we went on a submarine tour. And they take you, and there's just tourists sitting on benches looking out windows, and they take you down just a few feet. So... So they could get your body up quickly, but uh, and it was it was nice no, a little, mm, uh, but I, I I went on it. I wouldn't do that again. But I don't think there was any danger. But who knows? But that's a nice that's a real in between version. People go to great extremes, and you don't need to, really. So I just was a kid. I thought, okay, this, that's my, the submarine could go deeper. A tree isn't a ride. I had a whole list of Disney World critiques. And they would say, well, what did you like? And I go, I don't know. You know, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. Here's the things that just didn't, I don't know. It didn't do it for me. What did you, what did you want as a kid, Hardy? I like more something uh, uh, immersive, if you will. There was a western town in Florida called Six Gun Territory. And it was all, they'd have stunt shows where people, they'd have a shootout. This is so, what a great thing to bring kids to. People are going to murder one another off rooftops and then fall. <laughs> I'm thinking back, I go, wow, a, and real gunpowder in the air. And it was an old western town. So you could go, I'm, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm horrified. How terrifying. They go, yes, there was these towns where it was anarchy. They were were on the, wow, what a, and it was in a park. But I liked it as a kid because you could imagine yourself, I imagine I'm one of these horrible people out here. 
uh, using brute force to uh, enforce my, my twisted immorality. But, you know, a lot of tall TV, but I didn't know coming up in your culture. You never know you're the baddie, you're little baddie kids. You know, these are cool. This looks cool. Everybody wearing a gun. Yep. That's fun. But it was really kind of kind of scary. And the poor horses, they don't know what's going on. They're just loyal to anybody. If they're good or bad, they go, there's a horrible psychopath on your back. Oh, all right, well, I'm doing my best. They don't know. Do that with races. You know, oh, I won. I almost won the race. I was running my fastest, but I broke my leg. I'm sorry. You know, I promised to heal up fast and be out there next week. I said I promised to heal up fast and be out there next week. What? That's how we would. Thank you for your service. Blam. What's this tent? Is there a party? So I don't know. I love them. I, but I think in, in, in my society, horses would just be walking around on their own. Uh, that's the test, whether you're like an animal or not. Are you willing to just share the town with them? You know, let them drink out of the fountain and everything. And not have to use them or exploit them for anything, necessarily. Except for chickens. You could. You just pick. It's like you could pick up your neighbor and eat it. So you just pick up one, pick up one of the neighbors for, for dinner. And one of that, you know that guy you work with? The rooster? Yeah, could you grab him on the way home? Because we're having, we're having chicken again. I'm not sure whether I could live that way. I, I do in my mind. Oh my goodness, in my imagination, I live all sorts of uh, uh, different ways, different, different lives. You know, I think a lot of us do this, have their own yellow millet dream, imaginary lifetime that they think about. Don't you? No. Don't you escape into some? No. Some people have other past lives. I'm having one right now. Unlike most people, I'm having my past life now. Is this your first time through? I think so. How do you know? Because it's all weird. Because it feels weird. I don't remember any of this. Doesn't seem familiar. No. Did it when you were a child? No. No. It seemed like a Salvador Dali nightmare for years. Who, who is, what are these horrible, twisted faces? No, none of it. I did not be born thinking I am the reincarnated, uh, so, uh, what, what do you call it? The other one, Dalai Lama, Salvador Dalai Lama. I'm both. I'm all rolled into one. No, I, didn't. I think it still feels quite alien to me. So maybe I think this is the first time and I'm going to have a wonderful, some wonderful memories. It's going to be a little baby that's born just as the world is burning up. And the baby will think, I used to be somebody called Harvey Werb. You know, because you don't, your memories don't go intact or something. They can't through all that because they, they get, they rot or burn up or something. I don't know how they get transferred. Or if they do. If they do, it's a, what a magical, wonderful process. And I don't know how ghosts are made. If they're, if they are, are they, are, are they made or are they born that way? Well, I don't know. They may not be born that, what if, what if ghosts aren't, uh, ghosts of dead people? They're just other people. And uh, living somewhere else. That'd be interesting, too. And they say, are you from the past? Maybe. I don't know. Who are you? There was a movie where there was about this lady and her kids or something. And then you realize they're the ghosts. And the other people are not ghosts. They're the ghosts. And uh, But I was thinking, what if there was a movie where everybody is the ghost? And there are no living people. but So, therefore, there are only living people. That, would, that might be interesting. So I guess most, if a movie doesn't acknowledge ghosts, it is a ghost movie, in a way. That might be true. If there's a veil, like there's just other, we're crowded, we're in rooms crowded with people, there's invisible other people, and they're whatever permanent uh, version of their personality at death floating around, is like a 
a cloud coming out of a vape pen with a hat. And that's them now. Um, that'd be interesting. Because a lot of times I feel like I'm alone and in private and I act that way. But if I was being, if it was a, an audience of dozens or hundreds, that would be, that'd be interesting. Maybe you just get, once you get going, doing whatever you don't want people to see, the crowd dissipates. If the ghosts are able to leave even, I don't even know. I have seen pictures of people that used to live in the house that I'm in. There was a, uh, how, where did I see it? It might be on a funeral site because the owner, that, the first owner's dead. And, uh, but I have a picture of them standing by the fireplace. And I think I did get, I was doing some detective work. And I found the first owner, and then I found his, his like, uh, obituary site. You know, sometimes funeral homes have an online thing, and, and there was old pictures of him on it. And they do that sometimes. And they were in, what is now my house, but it's his house, really. So if he wanted to come back and, and um, ooh, go around like that, that'd be all right. I'd understand that. That's why I have the white noise going 24-7, because I don't want to hear all that. I'm not can't do anything for you. Um, maybe I could. I don't ever listen close enough. What if it was something very easy? You know, could you lower the temperature one degree? Can't hear you. Can't help you. Go to heaven. Uh, move on. I'd be. Te- what if you're telling somebody? What if this is moving? What if this is it? And you keep and those stupid ghost hunters keep going. You know, move on. Move on. Why? What? <laughs> I live here. That'd be awful. Be cast out. I'm dead. Insult to injury. Not only am I dead, but now I'm being I'm being chased off. Oh, that's awful. Where do we belong? Oh, the human soul. I think all that, uh, regardless of its reality or irreality, is an indication of our current and very real fear. Oh. We, should we be fearful? Of course. Oh, my goodness. What would you, if you were, if we were in the raising a family in the woods or something, what would you tell your little babies? You'd say, be, oh, be terrified of everything. Well, that, uh, once you're terrified of everything, then you can kind of let it go and just concentrate on what to do to avoid perishing. That's what I think. So you get, get the... Fear over with. Maybe there's some kind of ceremony where you all go see a Vincent Price movie, and then you go, "All right, now that we got the fear over with, now we we can go on and live our lives and make decisions where we see a minimal amount of disembodied corpses or something like that. You can plan your life so you don't. And a lot of times it takes cooperating. Like, let's not kill each other with bombs. First of all, can we agree to do that? No, I enjoy doing it too much. That's the thing, isn't it? Once you realize that, too, I'm trying to argue people out of mass murder. And uh, it feels like that's unpopular to do that. So when, doesn't it? Oh, peace, no war. Oh, it's unrealistic, you know, because who wouldn't want to see all the innocent people uh, maimed and killed? I guess, who wouldn't? But uh, it, does, it does feel wrong, uh, but um, I, I don't let that stop me. It says I react to cruelty. Now, some of us do, and I'm, I'm not going to be made to feel other because of it. You, know, st- you should harden yourself up. No, thank you. I could make a, I'm going to make an adult joke off the air, but no, I don't c- care to harden my heart that way. Um, I got other things, other priorities. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my friends, I want to explore the mysteries of this world with you, just enough to occupy ourselves and have a certain feeling and experience. I want to experience joy, and you do that in a multifaceted way, I find. You can't just do it with cake or ice cream or dancing. Sometimes you have to do it with discovering something, learning something, finding a new skill, building Abraham's house how are we going to make this mud structure another thing i would like to make is a small but usable one-man coracle 
that is a round sort of uh, frisbee basket shaped boat and it just kind of sits on the water instead of in it and you can use it to float around you can't steer it very well so uh, but I've always wanted to make one and so I think I will I'm making it a a life goal do I think that I will ever fulfill this life goal I don't know how would I know that how would I know I, I'm not one of those people who go yes I tell myself something for certain I can still work towards a goal without saying, this is going to happen no matter what. I can hold two thoughts in my head at once. I've never had any problem doing that. I can do a thing that I know is futile. I do not mind bailing water out of a boat. It doesn't, I never feel like, I can't wait till we get to the last. It's just a process. Just doing some water bailing, it's part of it. There's no, you know, I could, it doesn't end until we're sinking, we're dead, you know. Let's, uh, as long as we're bailing, that's, that's part of the living. So nothing ever stays done, my goodness. Art doesn't stay done. Paintings don't stay painted. Songs don't stay sung. You have to remake everything. Meals don't stay made. They get it. And then you eat them up, and you got to make a meal the next day. And you wash the dishes and one thing happens, and then another thing happens, or that other thing isn't going to happen unless that thing happens. And, oh, we go back and forth. That's how a wave works. Oh, we're all riding on a wave, a vibrating string. Over and down, over and down. Now, we would just go whoop like that if there wasn't a constant repeating. And that's time. It's time that's doing this. So to understand and to ride time... Think about rhythm, not getting from the beginning to the end, just being in a song, right? So when you're counting beats, you start over every measure. You know, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, that's it. It's not one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty, six, seven, ten, nine. Don't do it that way. And break it up so that you can hear the song. So you can see the rhythm, because the rhythm is the life, and the song is the life, and the words are the song, and we're making it up as we go along, and all the things we say become reality, and even the Bible itself tells you that words create reality, and that this is a word-created reality, and that by reading this story, you are consumed by it. It is like Jumanji or something. You start to participate in it and it sucks it, you in it to you. You have to go into it to live. It becomes your world and your reality once you have access to a story like that. Oh, and we go into it and we ride the story, or rather the song. Oh, how's that? You like that? Oh, my goodness. I'm here to get you to join me now, won't you? I say that every week, and I mean it in a lot of different ways. And one of the ways I mean it is to not only join me now, but to join me, join up with me, to become part of a bigger thing. What is that? What are we working towards? No, nothing really. It's just a, a network for no reason. That's the best kind. Uh, because who, who knows what the goal should be? But we can't do anything without the network, without being all together. Oh, we are separated only by a little bit of space and our incompatible personalities. Isn't it wonderful of all being different? I don't have no problem with that. I can love you and respect you and be absolutely unable to tolerate your presence, I think. No, I don't know. I think so. I hope so. Because, you know, that's, the, that, that's an acknowledgement of difference. You know, if there's going to be variations on people, then definitely there's going to be. I can absolutely feel one and, and say, oh, there's a you know, brotherhood or siblinghood of humankind or something. That's what I feel that way. I also feel that some uh, people I don't want to see at the family reunion or whatever – 
That's, I think that's fine. I can have that uh, because I value the difference, too. I know how this is all working a bit. And it works by throwing everything out there and seeing what sticks. It really does. And uh, you can see that in all of biology. You, know, you can make a story out of it after the fact and say, oh, it's, this has happened because this. But you don't, you don't really ever know until far into the future why a thing happened or if ever. It's just the people, the things that make it, make it because it was their time to do it. And I feel that way. So you have, you could just as well being, use a losing strategy at any given time. You could be the type of human that is not meant to be. Isn't that wonderful? That's still beautiful. Yep, I was too sensitive for the world. That's fine. But I still got to be there. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah. It's just I will not be one of the psychopathic alligator people of the future. No, they probably won't be your descendants. That's fine with me. I'm the smooth, sensitive monkey person. That's right. And hats off to the uh, cockroach, tardigan, uh, crocodilian, beetle race of uh, made of steel of the future uh, dominant species on this planet. And they're beautiful people too, aren't they? The cyber people. I don't know who's going to make it. It doesn't matter to me because I'll be, I'll be gone. And hopefully I will not be living the family circus nightmare of being a ghost who can witness what's currently going on. What a punishment. That's awful. It's like, here, witness the things you are missing. Here's your children growing old. Oh, I've got to watch everything. That seems awful. So I hope that's not the reality. You were forced to watch the living. Not some kind of Dickensian punishment or something. I don't really want that. I hope I move on. I figure and they go, your, your descendants are this, that, and the other. I'll go, what? Who? I've forgotten about them. I'm up here in heaven, which is like the villages, but you get to, it's all your friends, your cool friends. And uh, there's still golf carts. It's fun. I think there would be in, in a kind of heaven. Something, you know, does this use any energy? No, they don't use any energy. These golf carts run on bad feelings. We capture them and then we burn them up in our golf carts. Fun! And I like to run mine into the water hazard and just leave it there. I don't know, it was more kind of people. Whatever happened to those kind of folk? Because they would, had those in school. I remember there's a lot of people in high school. Like, oh, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I stole some vehicle and ran it in the water. Yes, all right. And now you end up, now you're probably voting for them. Who knows? Or you're dropping your car off <laughs> to be repaired. Oh, you're the, I remember you now. But we don't have, uh, but still, a beautiful community. I want to be surrounded by all, not all types, maybe, but a reasonable amount of types. Who knows? I don't want them to be too, not too crazy. I don't want to live in an era of psychopathic butchers. What do you mean by that? Like people like people who work in the meat department, but they're psychopaths? No, we probably have that now, and that's just fine. As long as they're doing something productive. Occasionally, though, they'll, they'll write something creepy on the meat description. No, no, no. I just meant, you know, I don't want to live in some kind of age of conquest where they ride on horses, well-meaning horses, and they have large swords, and they're chopping off heads and stealing spices. This might have been thousands of years ago, but, you know, it could happen again. History repeats itself. If there ever is, like, a spice trade again or something, ooh, I don't know. Maybe that's a, that would be a harbinger. There's certain things that are omens, you know. If this happens, then this will happen. It might not be tea leaves, but, you know. If your neighbor moves in and you see certain items being moved in, that could be problematic. 
like those very, very large Japanese drums. I don't know. I'm trying to think what else. Indoor cases and cases of weapons. Well, why would that, why does that concern you? Well, I just, you know, I like to use my toys. And so if my neighbor was planning on using them, I might be a little bit concerned because I have thin walls. And so they're really not meant to withstand armament or fire from enemy fire. Had I known, I would have built a nice little fortress. I think I could have made a neat one. If we do ever have to live in little castles and, and anything, I just then it's a good idea to become part of a co-op and say, let's go in on a castle because I can't imagine a tiny would be of much use. So we'll just build a walled city. They could wall an existing hippie co-op, land co-op. You know, this was started in, in 1974 with five families. Um, they all, uh, they all uh, changed their last name to Peace. So we call them the Five Peace Families. And now um, this acreage has evolved into a walled city with uh, buttresses and we've got uh, hot oil we can dump into the moat. That'll be, that would be okay. And then there's people that just kind of roam the countryside. Well, I know this from fiction. This is popular fiction now, you, movies and everything. The thing that you are picturing is the past. It seems like the future. It seems like the future, yes, because it's the past, because it's already happened. And what's confusing you is the fashion, because it's changed. You know, people wearing different things. So you're just seeing the Middle Ages, but people are wearing silver or something. You know, they're wearing NASA reflective wear. And that's, but it's virtually the same thing. And so who should I be? That's why we look at these old stories. Who am I in the Bible story? You're supposed to put yourself as any of those characters, even the crummy ones. You know, am I an arrogant psychopath like that? Yes, that's you. And it seemed, doesn't that seem like you? Yes, I guess so. That's nice. Well, you just have a description of human nature and you can you see yourself in it. You go, am I the jerky king? Yes, you are. Okay. I like to be able to do that. I can look at myself in a hard light. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't, cause I don't really mistake me for me. What do you mean? I don't know what I mean. I don't know. I don't take me personally. Maybe I, I think I used to confuse me with me, but I'm not me. Uh, I'm not sure who me is. Me's a composite, and me's constructed. A lot of me's constructed by you. Oh, thank you for making me. But here's the thing. You don't always tell me the me you've made. So I don't always know who I am because you're keeping it secret. And then... People make different yous. You can never know really who, who, who you are, nor would you want to. I think a lot of people who are celebrities concern themselves with that them, and they get very, very messed up because they think, how, who am I based on how I am seen? Then that's, oh, how scary. But I and all my friends, some of you, we have been allowed to sort of just dissipate and not have to be uh, seen at, and defined by too many people. Because the more people that do that, the more can, you can be made into something, a sort of you know, golem that's created by others. And they don't tell you anything about who you are. I, I do used to have a friend, and, and, and she'd get mad at me for things that I did in her dreams. And I tried to tell her, that's not, that's not me, it's me. But it's not me. It felt exactly like being an actor who had been on one of those true crime, you know, this is a recreation of a crime. This man, da, da, da. And they'd have an actor doing it. And then I think, you know, people would call the cops when they saw that actor. And that feels like the same sort of thing. It's like, you, I'm mad at you, Hardy, for what you did in my dream. Uh, you know, I feel foolish denying it was me when it was me, but it's not me. It's your me. So there's uh, you, me, and my, me, and all different me's. Me, me. That's what I, I wish I had a bottle of children. I'd name them that. You, me, my, me, me, me. 
Who else? Jaime is one. Oh, my goodness. I, I do like being around people. Uh, it would be a challenge to not name them. There's about 12 people living together, and none of them have names. I wonder how that would work. How would a Christmas or something would be a nightmare. But maybe they'd adopt, they'd probably just adopt symbols or something or numbers. People find a way of, because you got to, at some point you have to, you know, get somebody's attention. You know, watch out. And it would end up being their name because you'd have to be consistently get their attention. So maybe that's what you're thinking of your name that way. It's something people yell when you're about to fall off the uh, subway platform. Watch out. And that's you. That's an important you. Get to know and respond to that you. And the other ones, probably not so much. Oh, my goodness. Have you felt ever felt unburdened by yourself? Like maybe you're getting, uh, you're swimming or something. You're just floating. And you're just for a brief moment. And that maybe it's at the beach or something. Or you're being in a pool. And I've just been in a pool recently. And I hadn't been one in years. And I haven't floated freely since I was in a mikvah, I think. So I'm in, I'm in a, a pool and I'm, I'm, I'm floating and just for an instant, you know, I got that feeling of not being responsible for anything where I felt that I didn't even have to be responsible for my own body. I felt absolutely liberated, you know, like I was a little baby or I was a dying person. I felt like I no longer had a horse in that race, that I was just being in an exquisite moment, that I had forgotten who I was, what I was doing, that there wasn't a... Uh, yesterday or tomorrow oh and it happened just in an instant and it was beautiful and free floating it must have something to do with gravity gravity must somehow remind you about time it's some nuisance thing and when you get rid of the gravity sometimes you get rid of the sense of time and when you float outside of time it all comes together oh it was a beautiful experience to have and then things went back to being, you know, stressful or awful. But it's nice to be reminded of it. Say, oh, that's great. At least there's an end. No, that's, <laughs> at least there was a beginning. Doesn't bother me. We're going to have, if there's a certain lightness to all our existence, then what's there to worry about? You know, to, oh, you're scaring me. Here, let me hold your hand. This is all crazy. Probably a dream. Don't worry about it. I'm afraid. That's probably a dream. Don't worry about it. Let's not worry about it. Worry about what? I don't even know. Probably just existential stuff. Worry about the real. Go ahead and worry about actual things. Uh, do that. I'm for that. But get all the other things off your off your plate, because we can take care of those together. Those are sometimes just the uh, uh, detritus of a solitary mind. And we can clean that up for you and get your living space a little more tidy so that you can take on the bigger challenges. Oh, and I am here for you, but just during this hour, not during the rest of the week or ever. No, I might be. Who knows? It doesn't, you know, I could. I'm, um, I'm here for you, I'm sure. Not, all, not everybody, all the time, but show-wise. I feel like I want to I want to be connected to you. I want to speak to you as another human being. Oh, there's different ways to entertain. There's different ways to enlighten and inform, aren't there? But I really like the ones that emphasize the connectivity, the sort of unity of the experience of being a living creature because it really does uh unite us all and not just human beings but all our doggies and everything like that i live with dogs and cats and all and so i have a oh and then there's some fish and lots of things in the backyard that i let live there that other people would chase away or kill or something but i think oh peace to all living creatures and so i have a little uh ecosystem but oh and i so i feel for all of them and uh i like to be able to to make things for their a world that where we're all acknowledged and that, that we're living in it and it hurts and it's great and it's grand.
I also know that it calls for great variation and invention and has room for all sorts of free, crazy wackiness and that we need to experiment more, I think, with the way that we are, the way that we make things, the way that we do things, uh, throw more variations in there, more possibilities. And so that's why I try not to obey any conventions. And I don't even go to conventions unless I was invited to one. And that would be lovely. Say, we'd like to have you at HardyCon. I go, there's a HardyCon? Yes, we're on our third. And you never invited me. Oh, sorry, Oversight. It's Oversight's named after me. Yeah, but why would you not want me there? Well, we're asking now. All right, well, I'm, I'm saying yes, and I'm very honored. I'm going to be loved at HardyCon, and I will sign things. I'll be signing photographs of myself and my voice. I'll be signing my voice, and you can get that. I can um, yell into a T-shirt for you, anything like that. Because that's how I like to just or give you a good vibration. I'll shake hands with you and I'll go and pretend to see your future like that scary movie. Oh no! Okay. Oh, be careful. I'll say that after I shake your hand. Oh, oh God! Like that. And no, that's gonna be my new thing when I shake people's hands is to have my eyes roll back and go, Oh, I'm so sorry. Maybe that'll make me feel better because sometimes I feel socially awkward and it would make me feel less awkward to be thought a complete lunatic. No, I guess not. I'll tell you something. I want to share with you something that happened to me yesterday and I'm both glad it happened and terrified that it happened. And what it was is I went and saw an open mic stand-up comedy night and there must have been a dozen, at least, uh, wannabe stand-up comics. Some people doing it for the first time. Some people doing it seeming like it's the first time, but it not being all sorts and everything in between. And it was something else. Oh, my goodness, what we think other people think would be funny is interesting to me. And I was trying to be generous with my laughter. I laughed at most of the things that I thought seemed to be a joke. You know when you're like applying for a job and you don't, you really don't know what's going. You're just trying to take cues and laugh when it seems right. That's what I was doing, and it was stressful. I found the whole thing very stressful because I didn't want to hurt any of the people on stage. But then some of them made me want to hurt them. So you know, it's a mixed what a mixed bag. But it was wonderful seeing other human beings who were told they're funny by high school friends, and. Um, Who's to say who's right and who's wrong? And one drink minimum. Mm, and I had a cola. I shouldn't have had a cola. It made me feel so sick. I don't have uh, late-in-the-day caffeine like that. So I was sitting there. I was a little bit dyspeptic. I was a little bit feeling, you know, like I had heartburn. And then uh, people mistaking bigotry for humor or something. And I go, oh, bless your heart. That's a, you're being horrible. Well, it was that kind of experience, and um, a friend was there, had performed, was very good, but he had done it before, I think, and so that I had no problem legitimately laughing, but I still felt queasy. Uh, I've had a lot of, I'm thinking back, and there's been moments in my life that have been defined by either severe, excruciating cramps and diarrhea or nausea. And it goes right, it's just the beautiful background music of that event for me in the memory. I go, yes, oh, and I remember that. And I was doubled over with pain. At my high school graduation that happened, I had, un, it was insane, uh, the degree of excruciating pain I was in the entire time that the, the commencement speaker was speaking. This was the worst our high school was supposed to have like a good commencement speaker and I guess they canceled and at the last minute it was just a football coach. They just asked the football coach and I thought this is the worst. We've got to hear him all the time. 
So the football coach doing a fishing story or something. And he goes, it was supposed to be some local realtor or something. Now it's just this doofus. So I don't know. And I felt nervous, I guess, because I thought, well, God, I don't want to leave high school because I'm completely unqualified to do anything. And now I'm, I'm just terrified and I should have died young. I made a terrible mistake. So I didn't really didn't want to move on with my life. And maybe that was it. That's why I had diarrhea. And, but I understand that now. It made me a more compassionate person. Now in my heart is more open. And I go, yes, I too feel like throwing up. So I understand, friend. Come, let me embrace you from a distance, pukey. And, and we can, we're, I'm simpatico though. But that doesn't mean I won't be uh, up to my elbows in it. <laughs> Bless you. We all deal with things as much as we can. And I give that to everybody who has different tolerances of things. I don't know how much pain you're in. I'm not here to judge your pain. That's a, wow, that's a, people do that to other people, though. They make, they make judgments about what other people are feeling. I believe you, whatever you tell me. That's all I have to go on. I can't, there's no, I can't some, shove some kind of meter in your head and, and figure out. You tell me you're in pain, and I believe you. And so, uh, you know, you tell me you need help, I believe you. I'm not here to, it's not rationed. There should be a bottomless, endless pit of it. I have only got so much help I can give you. I almost got so much love. I hope not. I keep, I, on purpose, I keep spending all the love I have because I'm pretty sure my well is going to be renewed. You have to do that. Don't, you don't have a finite amount of uh, love or compassion or forgiveness. Just treat it like it's a, a constantly renewing well. It's tapped into a spring. So your well isn't just you. Your well goes underground and connects to other wells, my well, everything, the source of this. We're all tapped into it. So you could say, analyst, go ahead, keep loving, keep giving your heart. Keep giving your heart. We'll make sure that well stays fresh and pure and the water of compassion keeps coming up clear and beautiful. And, and occasionally, there's uh, something in it. What? Oh, I mean like a jewel, like a gemstone or something. All right, that's weird. I don't know. what it, it doesn't really mean anything. I was just, my imagination got away from me. Things you might find in a well that are interesting. An old, cool old shoe, but it's preserved somehow. I don't know. I'd like to find antiques. I don't I would just hold on to them and then die, and then they'd return to the antique market. So maybe I should just cut out the middleman, leave him there. Why move him around, right? Just go experience him somewhere. I do that with paintings. Instead of being an international art thief, I just go to museums. I figure that it's much, it's much easier for me. It's, it's, you just have to you weigh uh, consequences. And I've weighed that one. I think this way I can experience the painting without going to prison for the rest of my life. And that's worked out pretty good. Also, you can take a picture of it. I, I would like to do that. Can we do that with other people's money? Can I take a picture of your gold? And then I'm going to go spend it. It would be lovely if things worked that way. I don't want to deny wealth to anybody. Um, probably, especially me, that would be wonderful. I wouldn't mind being wealthy for a day. And if I was wealthy, it really only would be for a day because I imagine that I could spend that pretty quickly. Any amount of money you name. Name amount of money. Spent. I can spend I already can tell you. I can already itemize it for you. No matter what amount you can give me. I feel like my wants are endless. <laughs> they don't, uh, I don't prioritize them, but they're there. They're, they're really there. I've thought about it. My needs... Oh, they're, they're mostly met, I think. And the ones that aren't, I don't worry about them. They'll be met, maybe. When I need love, uh, I'm given love. When I need uh, strength, I find strength. So it's been happening, and I thank you for it. I want to thank you. I'm going to be in a state of thankfulness all the time. Can you join me? Oh, no, not really. I want to do this. Come on now. Pray with me. No, I don't really want to pray with me. I don't pray with me. I'm just kidding. I want to just start doing that uh, to people. 
is telling them, you know, I'd like you to go to church with me. Oh, okay, no. Some of them, I have some really polite friends that would, if you said that, you go, I'm in a new church, and I'd really like you to go with me just this once. They'd do it. It would be awful and painful. I felt that way at the open mic stand-up comedy thing. It felt exactly like someone said, you know, I'd like you, if you could come to my church this Sunday. I'd really appreciate it. I'm singing in the choir. Okay. I will. Ah! Don't tell me I've never made sacrifices. Children's, uh, I don't want to be curmudgeonly or anything, but some children's dance recitals. I love dance, but, you know, you don't get to pick what kind of dances they're doing. And I had a, a niece and they do like sparkly suit baton dancey things. She was real little too. And I'd go to these things in Atlanta and it would just, oh my goodness, because 99% of the children are not my niece, you see? And so, and it was once she'd be done and go, oh, that's great, you know, she didn't drop the baton or anything. And then you're there, like they don't let you just leave. Now you're watching other people's children. And that's their, that's their responsibility, not mine. And I don't even approve of, 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 of it aesthetically. I go, no, what they're wearing, what they're doing, what they're, everything against it. So uh, I would get up and yell. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. But uh, it, it's, sometimes it's bad. Uh, the performances are bad. I've seen children do um, great, like, do tr like traditional dances or something. Fantastic. I'm very traditional. <laughs> I don't mean like that. But, you know. Stuff that's not goofy. There's just kind of goofy, sparkly, made-up silliness that they teach children. When there's just perfectly good dance traditions. You know, zillions of them. Pick one. What kind of dance do you like, Hardy? Oh, thank you for asking. I like most, most types, except the one I just described. So that's easy, isn't it? So I like, yeah, I like, uh, I like to see people express themselves through physical movement. It's really wonderful. I really liked the lockers when I was a kid. Uh, Tony Basil and, the, and uh, Fred Berry and the, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the guy actually. But uh, um, amazing uh, to me as a kid and I love that kind of stuff. So that was like proto hip hop dancing, which is fantastic. And uh, you know, I like to do ceremonial dances that summon uh, demons and, and all kinds of spirits and everything. I make those up myself, and um, that's a fantastic thing to do. I don't know if you do that with friends. You have a little bonfire late at night, and you go, let's, let's flirt with incantations and everything. Let's see if we can summon something from another realm. And uh, no, it doesn't ever work. Go ahead and do it. Oh, I don't know. That sounds sketchy. I bet you won't. I challenge you. You won't be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to summon something from another realm, especially, you know, uh, even if you really needed it, I don't think it would happen. Because I've tried to do it, like, during, like, real estate deals and everything. You're selling a house. And I think, I got the only way that I'm really going to, is, like, like, I need to summon something. Like some demon or some spirit. The floor has to, to change into, like, molten lava and some uh, devilish, horned, ancient specter needs to rise up and in a roaring voice, get out, like that. And then I could get, oh, I don't know, 10, 20 grand off the asking. But that, that's, an, that's an old, old realtor trick. That goes back to, to Babylonian, Sumerian real estate transactions where you would uh, you'd plant some kind of demon in the house and they would you know once it even got to the appraisal that's where things would all go belly up is uh, the appraiser would get in there and go oh, this place is haunted like that and uh, scurry out of there these things go back a very very ancient and we all uh, share these things and I hope that you share something uh, that you've made a connection today with your friend Hardy White on WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, 91.9 in Rockland County, and online at WFMU.org worldwide.
Freeform Radio. Oh, my goodness. I'm so glad to be with you, my friend, and I will see you again next week.
Thank <laughs> you.